Now, take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Now, years later, uh, Jacob, 70 of them, they went down into Egypt. And uh, Joseph had already been sent there ahead of time by the Lord in a miraculous way, by the providence of God. But the Bible says that God sent him there ahead of time. So he went down, and lo and behold, of all the things that happened to him, he got elevated to, I guess you could say, second to Pharaoh. And, uh, and God really blessed him. Well, Jacob had gone down, and he had his sons, and he was now on his deathbed. He's, he's dying. And you'll notice what he says here in uh, verse 1. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the latter days. So each one of these sons, he kind of gives a little prophetic uh, view into the future. But one of the things he says here is in verse 10. He talked about Judah in verse 9 and in verse 10 talking about Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh, who's the prince of peace, come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, I believe this verse is a reference to the Son of God himself. It's a reference toward Jesus Christ. And he would come from the tribe of Judah. So is there a possibility that Moses might have understood what this verse was talking about? I think there's a good possibility. And also in the book of Deuteronomy, we won't take time to look at that, and I think it's around chapter 18, where Moses writes, says, there is another prophet coming, and he's going to be like me, and he's the one you're to listen to. Well, if Moses wrote that and describing the future prophet that was going to come, and he's the one that you're supposed to listen to, and he will be a prince, and he will be a judge. He is the lawgiver coming from the tribe of Judah. I have an idea that um, Moses knew who the Messiah was. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in chapter 11. And you have some of these notes right there, but it's always good to see it in the Bible too. But Hebrews chapter 11, and we're talking about a man named Moses. And so Moses knew some things. Moses had to make a decision. And you'll notice here in verse 24, Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That was a choice he made. And verse 25 tells you what he chose chose or choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. So he knew that he was a Hebrew and he knew that the Israelite, those were his people. He says, then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So there is pleasure in sin for a season, but he made a choice. And here's what helped make it this, that decision. He esteemed, look in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now, he had all the treasures in Egypt. He's next in line to be Pharaoh. But in weighing this, he'd rather have the treasures that the Lord has over the treasures that he had in Egypt, and he had to make a choice. And so this is about service. Because you talk about treasure, talking about reward, talking about what you're going to get. So he made a decision. So he had to know about Jesus Christ. If he says here, esteeming the reproach of Christ... 
Well, who told him about Christ? Evidently, he did know about Christ. And he knew this before God ever used him to write the scriptures. He hadn't wrote them yet. But he says this, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So I believe that Moses knew the Lord and knew about the Messiah. Now, take your Bible and also look there in, uh, well, just look there in the notes there. But I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus in chapter, uh, chapter 12. Just going back here to the book of Exodus. Exodus in chapter 12. If God used Moses to write these scriptures, uh, is there a possibility he understood what these were talking about? Well, I, I got a hunch he did. You notice here in Exodus in chapter 12, look what he says in verse 5. When he's talking to them about this Passover, he says in verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Verse 6, And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, I wonder what he's talking about. Now, Jesus Christ, of course, we know as the Passover, was killed on this very day. He is the Passover. All right, look there in Exodus chapter 12, and I'll look at a few other verses. Look what we have here in verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Look at verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Now, do you think that Moses may have had an understanding of what the Passover meant since they had to do this thing every time they turned around? Every year they had to do this, especially for how many years did they do this? Now, notice something else. Look in verse 21. Verse 21, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Verse 23, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. In other words, you will not die. And... When the destroyer comes through, he's to see the blood on the, the, the lintel and up on the doorpost. And uh, what they did is they took little bushes like hyssop, which was a type of faith, and applied the blood. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. But, of course, we're talking about the firstborn. There's no way Moses would have understood any of this, did he? He just probably did all of it, but didn't understand anything. No, I, th I think he understood what he was doing here. And so um, we have this all laid out. And uh, look what it says in verse 26. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye this by this servant? What do you mean by doing this? And Moses says, I ain't got a clue. You think Moses knew what it meant? 
and that the children of Israel knew what it meant. And they were supposed to tell the story on down the line of what it meant. You see, we are all sinners and something innocent is going to die and have their blood shed so that you and I could be forgiven and we're delivered because the blood of the innocent was applied to us as though I died. You see, by killing the lamb and putting the blood is like saying, that was me and that's my blood and I've died and so you, you can't kill a man twice. That's why once you've trusted Christ to save you, the law cannot touch you. Why? Because the law cannot condemn a dead man. You've already died. So that's why the law can never condemn me. Why? Because in 1958, no, 1960, <laughs> I was a little younger, I, uh, I died. That's when I trusted Christ as my Savior. And his death and his blood was put to my account by faith and faith alone. I believe that the Lord did that for me. So am I supposed to believe that, well, he didn't really understand any of this. Well, I believe that he did. Now, look at the right in the middle of the page there. Did not Moses write the first five books of the Bible? I mean, I know that he was not the author. He was just a human writer because I believe God told him what to write. And he says, could Moses have written the story of Cain and Abel and not have known about the animal that had been sacrificed for their parents or Abel's offering of the flock? Did not Moses write about the very first promise in Genesis 3.15? About the seed, which is Christ coming through a woman? Remember in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was counting him the righteousness. You know who wrote that? God used to write that? Uh, Moses wrote that. But Abraham understood, uh, but Moses didn't understand it. No, I believe Moses understood it too. And get this. Where it says, it was Moses who taught that the Passover lamb was offered once a year for the sins of the people. Read the entire 12th chapter of Exodus. The entire 12th chapter. Am I to believe that he had no clue as to what it meant? Moses also gave us the types and the sacrifice, types in the tabernacle, types of the two birds and the two goats. These two birds teach the death and the resurrection of Christ. Is it? It possible that they were taught about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through these scriptures? Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Leviticus in chapter 14. Leviticus in chapter 14. It's a, a simple little scripture that's kind of like thrown in here. But I want you to, to see why they used two birds. Why they use two birds? See, they would kill one bird and then take some hyssop and take the blood of the dead bird and sprinkle it upon the, 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 the body of the, the, the live bird, and then the live bird could fly away. That's your sin's been taken away. It was not just that he died, but he took your sins away. Now get this. In verse 1 of chapter 14, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leopard in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed of the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive, and clean, and cedar wood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And as for the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them in the living bird, in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. So I didn't make it up. It's right here in the book. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. 
Now, leprosy is a type of sin. And so when we are cleansed of our sins, it's because somebody innocent had to die and pay for our sins. And the living bird being able to fly away with the blood on it is taking our sins away. How else would you describe the death, burial, and resurrection when a person hasn't died and been buried to come back from the dead? You can use two birds. Well, there's also another way. You can also do it with two goats. Look in chapter 16. Chapter 16. And you'll notice there in verse 5. This is when you get into bigger animals. And so the high priest, well, he had to offer a bullock. You know, the, the biggest, the best they had. Uh, that would be for him and his family and so forth. So you'll notice in verse 15. Well, let's just start there in uh, a little bit before that because we're talking about the atonement. And uh, the atonement is something that Jesus Christ, he did. There was an atonement made. But look, just, just look there in verse uh, 7. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats and one for the Lord and the other one for the scapegoat. Now, you've heard the phrase used that, no, he's just using him as a scapegoat. In other words, he's taking all the blame and we're putting it on him. Sometimes that happens in politics. Say so you're guilty, but you, you want to blame somebody else to make them the scapegoat. So he says here in verse 8, And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and one for the scapegoat. So one of these is going to represent the Lord and the other one is going to represent the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. So the one that belongs to the Lord becomes the one that dies. I wonder why. And you'll notice the next statement. Verse 10, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go off for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So you've got one that's going to go off into the wilderness and a man, a fit man, would take him off into the wilderness. So he was not to return because that is your sins being taken away by a death, a burial, and a resurrection. Instead of killing this goat, they had no way of raising that goat back to life. So you used another live goat that represented the goat that died, that took the sins away. Now in verse 15, Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and upon the, or before the mercy seat. Now, you can go all the way down here. He's talking about this, but look in verse 20. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Now, have you ever read Isaiah 53? He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. This is the same principle, it's the same story, and it's about the death, the burial, and a resurrection. And that's why you had to have two birds, and you had to have two goats, 
because of what it represented. So do I believe that they understood? Yes, I do. Otherwise, if they don't understand the death, burial, and resurrection about the Messiah and him coming and paying for sin, none of it has a meaning. They did all of it for 1,500 years, and there was no reason for any of it because if they don't understand anything, there's no reason for doing it. But I believe they understood. Now, page two. On the next page, we have uh, a little story about Aaron's rod that budded. It teaches the death and the resurrection of Christ. So Numbers in chapter 17, look in verse 2. You don't have to turn there to your notes. You've got them right here in front of you. Speak unto the children of Israel and take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers. Of all their princes according to the house of their fathers, 12 rods. Write there every man's name upon his rod. Because, you know, you've got to make sure now, who's, um, who's one that God really has he chose? Well, it was Aaron. So Aaron had a rod, and they all had a rod, and they all put them down. And next thing you know, well, the next thing, Aaron's rod budded. Because they're all dead. But one came to life. And the one that came to life and had some blossoms on it, that's the one that God says, this is the man. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds, and bloomed blossoms, and yielded almonds. Now, buddy, ain't that fast? We can do all that and yield almonds in one day. But anyway, that was God's stamp of approval. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24. The book of Luke in chapter 24. I am not a long-winded pastor. I have slow-turning parishioners. But anyway, we'll move right along here. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are you there yet? All right, as long as you're there yet. Now, don't sit there and look at me like you've got all the Bible committed to memory. I know you're lying. I know you don't. So in the book of uh, Luke, of course, you've got your notes right there. And look in verse 25. Jesus is talking. He said in verse 25, And then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So evidently the prophets in the Old Testament have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Jesus said that. He said those prophets in the Old Testament, they told about him. Well, when you go back and you read some of these things, they do. Did you know that just virtually everything in the tabernacle points to Christ? I don't care what it is. Everything points to Christ. And so he says here in verse 27, look in verse 27, and beginning at, what's that, what's that word? Moses. Moses. And all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. That's one Bible study I wish I could have set in on. Now look what he says in verse 44. In verse 44 it says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. So what he's talking about being fulfilled was what happened to him. If it has to be fulfilled, it means it had to be written. And if it had to be written, it was in the Old Testament. So they had to have it written in the Old Testament, and I believe they knew what it was supposed to be because he says, Old fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken concerning him. 
So he says here, which were written in the law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. So is Jesus the Messiah? Is he in the Old Testament? Must be. Verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now, when he says understand the scriptures, it could not have been the New Testament. Why? It wasn't written yet. That's a very good reason. Now, look back in your notes here because i got just a couple of verses that I wanted to show to you. When Jesus was talking to them in chapter 5, verse 39 says, search the scriptures, search the scriptures. What scripture do you think he was talking about? The Old Testament. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. For they are they which testify of who? They testify of me. And look in verse 40. And ye will not come to me that you might have life. So if it was written in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, who must they have to go to to get eternal life? They have to come to Jesus. There is no other way you can get out of this. There's a lot of people who tell a lot of things and they write their books and they're on YouTube and they're everywhere and they're telling things that are not true. The clarity of the gospel that we know and understand is the lens by which you study the rest of Scripture. Now, look at the next statement. Jesus said that the Jews knew that the Old Testament Scriptures taught that you could have eternal life. They were expected to come to him for eternal life. And this was before Christ died. Because this is in John chapter 5. He, he's not dead yet. All right, now look at John chapter 5 and verse 45. These scriptures right here, these two are awesome. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even who? Moses. In whom you trust. For had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me. And look at the last part of that. What does it say? He wrote of me. Do you think Moses understood about the Messiah? Well, the scripture said, Jesus says he did. So it doesn't matter what anybody else says. I just go by the book. And the book says they did know. And he did understand. And the, verse 47, but if ye believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? He said, he's the one that told you about me. He says, I'm coming. Point to consider down at the bottom. It's evident that Moses told the nation of Israel enough to be saved. Verse 47 reveals that the gospel of Christ on having eternal life was not going to be any different from the writing of Moses. So Jesus, his gospel could not have been different than Moses' gospel because he's telling them what Moses said and says that you will not come to me, that you may have life. So there was no other way to get life in the Old Testament except through Christ. He is the only source, and I'll stick with the book. Look up here. Let in this hand represent you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And the payment for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God doesn't want us going to hell. He wants us to have eternal life and to go to heaven. But you see, I've got to pay for these sins. But if I can get somebody else here to pay for my sins, then I won't have to pay for them. Well, I can't give my sins to anybody unless they're innocent. And then they have to take them and die in my place. Well, what person can I get... There he is, Jim Blevins. 
I'll let you take my sins and die in my place. How about that? And the Lord says, you can't use him. I'm, well, why? Well, he got to pay for his own. Oh, I need somebody better than Jim Blevins in. All right, Bob, Bob Gilbert back there. Okay. And God says, well, he's worse than him. And see, nobody can pay for my sins. Why? Because you're, you're all guilty of your own. So we got to find somebody that's innocent. Do you know anybody like that? You ever heard anybody that besides your wife? Bob back there hugging his wife. Bob, she's still guilty. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loved us. And he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took our sins, paid for them on the cross, and came back from the dead. So he died and he went away. Our sins have been paid. So there was the illustration used in the Old Testament. You know, you take the goat and you kill the goat and you apply the blood. And then you they put their hands on the goat and transferred all of the sins of the people, see, on the goat. And then he was a scapegoat and he was taken off into the wilderness. That's an illustration of someone dying, paying for our sins and coming back from the dead and he's alive. Now, whenever Christ came back from the dead, the only thing he wanted you and I to do is the only thing they had to do in the Old Testament is apply the blood. They did it by faith by taking that little bush and putting the blood. We, by faith, take God at his word and the blood that he shed is applied to us. So I have been forgiven. I have died in God's eyes and I have been given a new birth. And I get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I love it. That's the best news in the world. You agree? Yeah. I agree. I agree. If you're watching by internet, you need to trust the Lord. If you're sitting here and you haven't trusted the Lord, it's about time you did. Because y'all have done heard it a thousand times. I know that. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... This is what it means to trust the Lord. You're believing that when he died, he died on the cross, paid for your sins, came back from the dead. And because of the resurrection, you know your sins have been taken away. If he had never come back from the dead, we'd have no guarantee, no assurance. That's why the resurrection of Christ is so important. So if you're watching by internet and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not believe the gospel? Believe that when Christ died, he died for you. And right on the screen it says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so, I pray that you would. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we are thankful so much for your watch, care, and your love, all your provision, and for making these things simple and clear in your word. Help us to use the lens of the gospel to discern in your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen.